0: Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello friends, Lonnie over here on this side.
1: And I'm Jeff and it's good again to be uh, with you and we're uh, looking forward to the many things that we have to say. I think you're gonna be blessed. We're going into the fivefold ministry, into a divine call, what it is to be, a called man of God and what it is to have a divine appointment at some point in your life where the Lord Jesus calls you to preach his word and it, we find this interesting both for the preacher as well as for the layman the person who's perhaps not a preacher there's many a young men that uh, will come along the way they get saved they give their heart to the Lord and they feel this zeal mm-hmm. to preach the Word of God and maybe they're called maybe they're not it's very important as we went into last week Uh, that we don't just take up casually the fires of God, referring to the Word of God, unless we are called. And Brother Lonnie will go into that a little bit more. But we're going to talk about, we've been talking about a church called out of a church, and we're talking about now a bride coming out of a church. The Jewish church uh, came out of uh, Judaism into Christianity. And then the bride of Jesus Christ this last day actually comes out of the nominal church. The first Exodus by the way was Israel coming out of Egypt. So the second one was the the Christian church out of Judaism and the third Exodus is the bride now being called out of a church and to do that it takes an elect ministry, a fivefold ministry and only the fivefold ministry have the ability gifted by God to rightly divide the word of God. Sheep can't do that. Shepherds, God's divine men, bishops and so on as we're gonna go into looking into the Bible I want to read to you some scriptures. So if you've got your Bibles handy, uh, many of you, I'm sure, keep your Bibles handy for these sessions. They're only 28 minutes long they go by fast. Ephesians chapter four, we're going to read and it says, I therefore, verse one, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. That means your full-time calling. Our full-time calling is the ministry. Your full-time calling, if you're not a minister, is Christian. You may be a mother. You may be uh, a plumber. You may be a factory worker. But if you're a Christian, your full-time vocation is Christian. So it goes on to say that you walk worthy of your vocation wherewith you are called. So in this case, Paul's going to be referring to the fivefold ministry, a vocation, a calling. So he calls it a calling, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So there's the template, the framework by which the ministry is called they're called to be patient and long suffering forbearing and they don't rule with a brash harshness but they rule the, with the word of god cuz the rule the leadership or the rulership is the word not the man and they rule with lowliness and meekness there is one body one spirit even as you're called in one hope of your calling so we have one lord we have one faith and we have one baptism Boy, would that be a topic, Brother Lonnie, mm-hmm. to go into. But we're talking about the five-fold ministry. One God and Father of all, not three gods, not uh, a trinity of gods, but one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And he's a, he was above us in the form of the pillar of fire, and he is in us in the form of the Holy Ghost. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So a, a minister, every person has a gift, We're referring to the fivefold ministry. We have been given grace. Uh, We've been given a measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? And he that descended is the same that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. So Jesus ascended into the earth are descended into the earth and rose, brought all the dead with him. And he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. And these gifts are, verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. And notice the purpose for the fivefold ministry. For the perfecting of the saints, that means the full development, the maturity. Give them the tools to grow and to mature. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, that's not my ministry as a minister, but the ministry, the ministry of Jesus Christ, work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to edify, not tear down, but build up, till we all come into the unity of the faith. So there's one faith, as we already read, one Lord and one baptism. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a, there's that word again, perfect man. That means fully developed perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So there's going to be a bride that's going to declare Him. There's going to be a bride that's going to manifest Jesus Christ. That we henceforth be no more children, purpose of the five old ministry is to grow up, to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So we have an adversary, the devil, God gives us the fivefold ministry to equip the people so that they overcome false doctrine, so that they have the ability to rise above false doctrine. But goes on to say, this is the fivefold ministry's job, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So, Brother Lonnie, uh, we're talking about that that, uh, second and that third exodus, the calling of a man of God. The fivefold ministry.
0: Well, in the in the call, I, I had a note down here in my own Bible. It says Hebrews five four says, "No man takes this honor to himself, but called of God as as was Aaron mm-hmm. called of God." Right. And so, it, it, calling is is something God does. You can't place yourself in the ministry. God has to place you because He has to gift you to uh, rightly divide the word. I have a, a sequence I'm going to kind of stick to in my notes sure. here. Uh, Jeff, otherwise I'm afraid it's it's so easy you can get kind of uh, anointed on one thought and run off and never finish an, uh, a second, first, uh, first uh, second, thought. Yeah, yeah correct. <laughs> Keep them going. Proverbs 18:16 says, "A man's gift makes room for him and brings and brings him before great men." And I testified last time how that even before God had called me to the ministry, that I knew I even had a call in my life that in various occupations that I had taken, people were always asking me to uh, teach this class or teach this class or yeah. teach this. And I kept wondering why. But uh, now I, in the scripture, I see why, because the gift was there, but I didn't even know it. And somehow it was making room for me. And so that that's each man ministers according to his own ability. I'm sure Jeff, before he knew he was called to be a pastor, was called upon for counseling. People would say, what do you think about this? What sure, do you think about exactly that? Right. Yeah, because that's, right. that's the counselor, the Prince of Peace, uh, has many different uh, members to the body, each to do to do their to do, do their own function. I wanted to linger just a moment that even though a man can stand in the pulpit and seem to speak eloquently, that doesn't mean he's a called man. Right. And uh, so, uh, if we look in Scripture, there are scriptural qualifications for a called man. Mm-hmm. And the reason we want to emphasize this on this on this broadcast is that God works through His called men who work in the realm of they meet all the scriptural qualifications, then God can bless that. And so we wanted to talk about that, the scriptural qualifications. We know that, just to touch on it, Aaron's, uh, the Levites, their qualification was they had to be born in the right family lineage. And that was God's qualification for the priesthood in the Old Testament, the line out of Aaron, the Levites. Uh, they, they were the ones. So, but it isn't a family calling now anymore. It's God's gifting to, in, in, gifting to individuals. And we know that the ministry shifted when Jesus came because he said he was not called after the line of Aaron or the priesthood or the Levites, but rather after an, an eternal thing called after the order of Melchizedek, which is a, a separate study in itself. So let's look now, if you would, with me, and if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it. First, to First Timothy chapter 3. So God lists the qualifications for ministry both in Timothy and, and in Titus. And as we read these scriptures, we're going to run across the term bishop and elder and presbyter. And in one sense, they're used kind of interchangeably. The elder or the presbyter is, is the man and then the bishop is the office that he holds. And not all elder, elders hold an office of bishop, right. but all bishops must be qualified to be an elder. Right. And so we'll look at it now. Uh, the uh, term bishop, uh, the Greek word here is episkopos, and scopus, of course, means to see or sight, and epi, the first part of the word over the beginning here, means to over. So it's oversight. So it's to take the oversight, to oversee, to have the office, to be in charge, or the overseer or presiding officer in a Christian church, which normally that would be in 99% of the churches, uh, Christian uh, uh, Protestant churches, that would be the pastor. Now let's read together in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. And when we look at that term in other dictionaries or in the Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Aramaic translation, it says he cannot be a polygamist. He can't be married to more than one wife. But, of course, the same thing would be true that if he is a divorced man and has a living wife, then he has more than one wife. So it disqualifies. And, of course, that statement disqualifies many that are maybe even watching this broadcast. And then he must be vigilant, that means sober, abstaining from wine, or at least very moderate in the use of it. He must be sober, Of so, that means of sound mind, temperate, curbing his own desires, self-controlled. He must be of good behavior, that's modest, well-behaved. He must be given to hospitality, that would be generous to his guests, loving to be hospitable. He must be apt to teach, so he has to be skillful in, the, in instructing and using the Word of God. Verse 3, not given to wine, that means he doesn't get drunk, no striker, he's not pugnacious, doesn't want to use his fists, is not uh, quarrelsome, not greedy of filthy lucre, so he's not eager for gain or money-hungry, and he must be patient, that's gentle, mild, not a brawler, he abstains from fighting, not, he is not contentious, he is to not be covetous, and, and here comes one now, one that rules well his own house, And that means he presides over or protects or gives attention to his own house. I'll come back to that in a minute. Having his children in subjection, they are obedient, subject, with all gravity, honor, respect, dignity, purity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So as we watch these qualifications, we could almost see some, if we could watch... Uh, qualifying and disqualifying, we could just see some men being just set aside right now. Because he, he, it doesn't say that if he's married he has to be married only once. It says he is to be the husband of one wife. So that means he's to be a married man and rule his house well. Because how can a pastor guide the church without understanding man-wife-parent-children relationships? And he can't understand that without having been there himself. And so how can he counsel a husband and wife when he's never had a wife? How can he counsel in parent-children disputes when he's never had that himself? So consequently, this man has to meet these qualifications. He needs to be a married man with children and and ruling them well.
1: I got a question for you. Yeah. Okay, you mentioned that if a man is divorced, we understand he has to be married, uh, and we understand that he can't be a polygamist. But if he was divorced... Uh, and then says, hey, but it's God's called me to the ministry. Yes, I was divorced, and I'm now remarried. Um, we know that we understand the, the logic of the reasoning mind that could give some reason as to why he could be forgiven. Um, what would be the scriptural reasons why you would say he's disqualified uh, from preaching the Word of God?
0: Well, this scripture right here says he's to be the husband of one wife. And we, we know that scripturally, looking at scripture, mm-hmm. When a woman is divorced from a man, God doesn't really even recognize divorce. Mm -hmm. So, consequently, though she may be separated from her husband with a document that says Mm -hmm. divorced, excuse me, on God's books, she still has a living husband. Mm -hmm. And that's why the woman can never remarry. Mm -hmm. But unless because she'll be living in adultery, the Bible says. Exactly. But that's exactly why because God doesn't recognize the divorce so consequently the man who's divorced and remarried in in God's books has two wives one he's living with and one he's not living with right. because on paper he's divorced right so so consequently it breaks the scripture that's right. why the divorced remarried man shouldn't uh, shouldn't be in the pulpit absolutely yeah right very good For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, that would be a new convert or a new uh, Christian. Literally, it means not newly planted. Mm -hmm. And then, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. And when I looked that one up, I was kind of surprised at, at the meaning that came out of it, the condemnation of the devil, in that he would have a tendency, being critical, to condemn other people. Mm. And so that, because that's a stage that Christians go through. Every young Christian goes through a, a legal stage mm-hmm. in his life. Mm-hmm. And the reason he goes through the legal stage is to cause him to separate from the things of the world. But often when the individual is going through his legal stage, he becomes legal with everyone around him. Yeah, becomes very and critical. so, so yeah. we put the novice in the pulpit, and he's just going to tear the church and the people apart. Mm-hmm. With every little thing he sees wrong, he won't have that patience that we right. were talking about that a, a pastor a pastor and exactly. minister really really needs to have. Yeah. So that's why we don't want a novice uh, handling the Word of God from the pulpit. It says, moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. So he's got to be a man of a good reputation. So the presbyter means an overseer. The elder, of course, means one literally means one older in age. But it could also mean one older in the Lord or more mature, which, was, which should give him more wisdom. And that was why they would use the older ones. So elders mm-hmm. elders are to rule the church. All through Scripture, we see that the elders rule the church. And now <clears throat> here's where we begin to walk a fine line. you have to pay attention those that are interested in this subject. The pastor is an elder with a call on his life. But not all elders are pastors, That's right. because not all elders have a call in their life. But yet a pastor must meet the qualification of an elder because it is the elders that lead the church. So therefore a pastor it meets the qualifications of an elder, but he has a call on his life to that office of, of pastor, like we talked about out mm-hmm. of Ephesians 4, mm-hmm. apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor.
1: Is that why now, Paul says uh, appoint elders? Because they 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 can actually be appointed. It's not necessarily a calling. He says you need to appoint elders because well, they're not really called. They're just being they're being appointed because they're wiser, older men. Older,
0: wiser, yeah. yeah. See now, But God, Paul could not give them the gift of being a pastor. Right. right. But he but when a new church is established. Uh, I've done missionary work for 30-something years, as Mm -hmm. you know. And so once you get a group a little bit established, they have to have some kind of oversight, some kind of leadership. So you look for the older, wiser men that Mm -hmm. understand human nature and maybe appoint them to watch over the group until God develops, develops, develops. And then ministry actually starts to rise up. But they need that oversight, that leadership leadership. Uh, whether the ministry has risen up or not, mm-hmm. they still have to have the oversight. So,
1: so I could not lay hands on you or you lay hands on me and make me a prophet or make me an apostle or make me a pastor?
0: No, no. So that's no. something that's from birth? Uh, well, the, the gift, yeah, gifts and callings are without repentance. Right. So therefore the man is already gifted and already called from birth, but he doesn't know it yet. Right. The gift would be there and the people would begin to use it. Mm-hmm. And he may wonder why, like I did about being called on to teach so much. Right. And then I know other young men in our church that people continually go to them for counseling. And I think they haven't recognized it yet, but God's got a call on them. But it isn't God's time to, let's say, notify him right. why, he has, why he has this gift in his life. So you know, gifts, uh, I can't lay hands on somebody and give them a gift. And that gets a little confusing when Paul talked about to Timothy, right. the gift by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. and But the laying on of hands to a to a gifted man mm-hmm. is merely that the local church or local leadership have recognized the gift of God in him and are thereby accepting him into the body as in the position of apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor.
1: So in other words, the, the gift, the person who's laying hands on the image, let's say it is the uh, local bishop, he is only sanctioning something that was already there.
0: Correct. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, with, with wisdom and spiritual discernment, he spots something that's in the person, watches it a while, sees it developing, and then, and then, let's say, in the presence of the people, sanctions the gift that is already there so that the rest of the people will know the leadership has recognized this gift in the body. Mm-hmm. And then they're more open to listen.
1: That's true, because Timothy got his gift that Paul said from his grandmother Lois.
0: Yeah, it right. was gifts so he passing. was
1: already. It was a gift passed down to him, and Paul merely uh, laid hands on him to sanction a gift that was already there.
0: Already there, yeah. correct? That's yeah. exactly right. That's right. the principle. Mm-hmm. Now we're over in Titus chapter one, verse five. For this cause I left thee in Crete that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. As I'm reading now, you'll see he's saying the same thing in Titus that he did in Timothy, but in a little different way. But it's still saying the same thing. I'm just not taking the time to explain them. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers." Mm -hmm. So we find many in so called Christian churches that many uh, groups yeah. that don't, don't hold to this standard. Why don't they?
1: Is it just easier to compromise
0: and just say, oh,
1: you know, uh, I mean, it, it, it's very clear in the Bible they have to meet strict qualifications, and yet um, it has been uh, watered down and not taken seriously. I mean, is it, I've often wondered what would possess a person. To walk over the top of scriptures simply to get into the pulpit or
0: to preach—it's, it's to me, it'd be a scary thing. Oh my, terribly scary! First of all, there's a uh, teaching within Christianity that says whatever you did, whatever you did before you were saved, mm-hmm. is now under the blood and behind you, and that if you married and remarried and remarried and remarried, all, right. all Excuse me. Before you became a Christian, and now you become a Christian, then all that's all forgiven, and you're okay. But the Bible doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. There, it's true. Our sins can be forgiven, and we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. But let's let's take for example uh, the woman right. who has lived a wild life before right. before she became a Christian. Right. And then now she comes to the Lord. Can she for, be forgiven? Yeah, mm-hmm. she can absolutely be forgiven for that wild life. Right. Can she ever go back and be a virgin? Ah no, no, no. once once that 's lost it 's lost right. forgiveness won 't bring it back right. and so, in the same way, once a man with this delicate subject called marriage and divorce once right. he 's messed up his life it 's messed up mm-hmm. and there 's no there 's no undoing it. Can he be forgiven for it? Yes, but it 's still but he 's still disqualified, mm-hmm. just like the woman. There are certain qualifications which we won 't go into now. That required that a woman be a virgin, right? And uh, she can't go back if she's ever lost it. She's lost it. No matter how much she can be forgiven, the scriptural term is justified, as if you never did it. She right. can the, the body can never be justified. Right. Uh, in the act, she can be justified, as right. if it never did. She can did be it. forgiven. She, I see. She can be forgiven. Yeah. So you
1: you take a Jeremiah. He was actually anointed, or ordained before his, before the foundation of the world in his mother's womb. So God ha- had to have watched over that gift. So that he didn't pollute, so he didn't disqualify himself. Correct. Or John the Baptist couldn't drink wine Correct. or couldn't uh, take anything of the vine. So God literally watched over that gift and, and so that he
0: would not be disqualified. I th- I think, uh, I know I can testify and you can testify. Mm-hmm. And most of the ministers that we fellowship with, as far as I know, all can testify that God kept them. Mm-hmm. That the wife they're living with is the only wife, the only woman they've ever known, right uh, in that in kind an of an way, yeah. in an intimate way. although uh, maybe in dating or going out with girls, the flesh wanted to go further, right. But there was something that kept them from polluting their lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know it, you, I know your testimony, oh, yeah. God kept you when, He watched over me, yeah. yeah, and kept me. And so, Uh, I've only known one woman in all my life. You've only known one woman in all your life. And I know that many of the people we've worked with, that's Mm -hmm. exactly the truth. God, what is it? It isn't me that he kept. It's the gift watching over the gift that it would still be qualified to be used by God. Now,
1: just in case we don't confuse our audience, if there was a a, a minister that had premarital relations and um, so before he was ever saved, um, in the strictest sense, he's not disqualified.
0: No, no, okay. no. There isn't. There, that's 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 not there. The woman and the man are treated two different ways because mm-hmm. the woman types the church, right? And the church is the bedding ground for life, right? And the church is to be kept as pure as possible. Mm-hmm. And the woman's body is a bedding ground for life. So mm-hmm. God, God watches over that because He loves life and He right. wants wants to keep it holy. That's why Amen. the body's of the woman the rules and regulations for a woman are much stricter than those than those for a man mm-hmm. but can a man be forgiven and still be qualified for the ministry because he had uh, premarital relations yeah because there's nothing in the scripture about that right correct right and that would be before his conversion yeah correct right. okay now single men many single men are pastors so we now we found out that because they have to meet the qualifications of an elder a single man can't rule his own household well right now, in, uh, I was thinking about this. This may be a little touchy, but the, the same group that would put sing- single men into the pulpit on a regular basis, we find that in 1 Timothy 4.3 that there's a group that, that Paul preaches about that says they forbid to marry. I wonder if that's the doctrine of celibacy.
1: Which is an unnatural doctrine. What I mean is is for 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 a church or for Paul to even be intimating or for the Bible to intimate that a man shouldn't marry if he's gonna preach. That's totally against nature. God didn't ordain yeah. that at all. God's word, the Bible,
0: and nature coincide with each other. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Paul, Paul said in Corinthians, let every man have his own wife to avoid fornication. So, that's right. So we see the nature of the build the build of man. Yeah. And then, of course, it says that the same group will also be uh, commanding to abstain from meats. And I know that there used to be one group what, in yep. America that uh, forbid, at least on Fridays, forbidding, exactly. forbidding uh, of meat. Called doctrines of devils. <clears throat> yeah, that's Ooh. what he calls it. Yeah. And uh, so we're getting close to our end here, friends, and we're just barely getting started. We're going to pick up again on this next session. And I want to take us on into finalizing clearly the this, this second exodus, which is past, the third exodus, which we're in, and why, why we're in it, and then this this third exodus there we're in is based on Revelations 18.4, which says, "'Come out of her, my people, "'that you be not a partaker of her plagues.'" So there's something we must come out of, and it's called a her. And so next time, we're gonna go in and find out who is this that we are to come out of that we will not be partakers of her plagues. Do join with us. We're anxious to share with you this truth. Request a copy of today's program on DVD, be sure to mention the title A Call to the Ministry. Contact us at Global Answers 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio, zip code 45801 here in the USA. Or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Thanks for joining us today, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly